Okie doke. So as I said to the children, we are kicking off a sermon series on the book of Joshua. And our sermon series title is The Living God is Among You. And each week has a subtitle. So this week, The Living God is Among You, Therefore, Be Strong and Courageous. And each week it's a different therefore. The living God is among you, therefore you can be strong and courageous. So our scripture reading this morning is from Joshua 1. And it's the first nine verses. That's the fifth book of the Bible. You can follow along in your pew Bibles or if you have your own Bible or the words will be on the screen. You can just follow along on the screen. Or you can listen to the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord from Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends and family of Creston Church, Christians love the book of Joshua. Christian bookstores have lots on display, lots to offer. Um, You can get lunch boxes and Bible covers and art for your home and cards and all kinds of all kinds of items that say, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I my grandma died this, this past year, so I couldn't ask her. But if I'm remembering correctly, we had, she had in her house this man praying, um, a vintage picture of this older man, and he had his hands, and it said, um, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it was in her house for 
dozens of years. Be strong and courageous. Another famous Joshua quote. Um, oftentimes, Christian schools will ask a graduating senior, what's your favorite scripture verse? And be strong and courageous is, you know, Joshua 1.9 is right up there with a popular, uh, popular the popular choices. Um, I did an informal poll of, of my people I know, churchgoer people, and said, what do you think about when you think about the book of Joshua? And there were a variety of responses. The uh, strength, you think of strength, or, or God is with me. Um, that was another popular one. Um, Rahab and the, and the spies, Rahab, um, Rahab we'll talk about next week. And Rahab is, is a prostitute and an unlikely character, but she's an image of grace in Scripture. She ends up in the line of Christ. People like Rahab and, and God's intersection in her life. The trumpets in Jericho, if you maybe you ever went to Bible school or, or something like that, you, you might have as a kid marched around and fell on the ground like the walls of Jericho. Does that sound familiar? Some of you are nodding, Yes. Um, maybe, uh, so there, one of the responses was a gospel song. Wait in the water, God's going to trouble. That's week three. We're going to talk about that one. Um, parting the Jordan is a, is a popular response. Be strong and courageous was what came across most prevalently. These were the Christian churchgoer responses to what do we think about when we think about Joshua. However, we cannot look at the book of Joshua without addressing the elephant in the room, if you will. We can't consider Joshua without imagining the eyes of those who don't have a church background, those who um, aren't on board with God or Scripture who don't see it as someone who was raised in the church and, and taught from the, the Christian perspective. Atheist Richard Dawkins, brilliant thinker, doesn't have a lot of positive to say about God, likens the Israelites entering the promised land to the Nazi invasion of Poland or Saddam Hussein's massacre of the Kurdish people. And bringing this a little closer to home, in October, we'll celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, formally known as, formerly known as Columbus Day. Europeans displaced native, tribal, and aboriginal peoples who already lived in this land to establish the colonies and then eventually the United States of America. Out of context, Joshua smacks of imperialism. And while many commentaries don't even talk about this, if we want to be a community that effectively engages the world, we can't not acknowledge this perspective. I have friends and family members that see Joshua 
and the God of the Old Testament this way. I know people. You know people who think this way. And if you don't know people who think this way, I encourage you to go and engage, expand your conversation partner network. Because I think these are conversations we need to be having. We need to be in, in conversation with, with people who think this way. They enrich our lives and expand our understanding of God's world, the world that he loves. So, given that heaviness, how do we make sense of Joshua under these circumstances? Well, I think there's two principles we can keep in mind. One, the first principle, there's always more to the story. Joshua is not a history book. It's not a slice of life, factual, this is what happened and this is how it happened and, you know, take it to the bank. Joshua is a book of the Bible in a context. And there's always more to the story. For example, the rest of the Bible, and the rest of the Bible hadn't been written yet by the when Joshua was was when we when Joshua came to be but there's also more to the spiritual story Joshua is a slice of God's story God's story in relationship with his people and there's more to the story and some of the story we don't even have access to so that's one one piece of how we make sense of this there's always more to the story and the other piece is, what do we know to be true about God? Asking that question and thinking about that in the midst of, as we study Joshua. So one thing that we know to be true about God is that God loves people. God loves all people. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, not God. For God so loved the Israelites, or God so loved the Christians, or God so loved the Christian Reformed Church, God so loved the world. God loves people, all people. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. God would have it that all people come to a saving knowledge of him all of the people in the world like that's the ideal not just you know his the, the the cream of the crop people or these particular people or those particular all the people god loves all the people the other thing we know another thing we know for sure by reading the whole of scripture about god is that god values people all kinds of people Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentiles, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So bringing some of our more modern titles to this, young and old, teachers and students, gay and straight, citizens and undocumented workers, wealthy and impoverished, incarcerated people and those who volunteer in the prisons, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Green Party, all the other parties. The Jews, God's chosen people, 
the Gentiles, everyone else. You are all one in Christ, Scripture says. Like, that is the word of God. God loves people. God values people. So we know that what we read in Joshua is not, these people are important and those people are disposable. So we can just go take them out. That is not what's happening. That's not the message. So we hold that loosely and trust. There are things we know to be true about God. And, and so we, we can count on those things. There's more to the story. And we'll continue to wrestle. We'll continue to wrestle with God. And, and we can wrestle with God. And he can handle it. And we'll um, pursue God's truth for us in the midst of di these difficult passages. But we'll also fiercely pursue what God's word for us today is. And so, as I mentioned, Joshua is in a context. So, Israelite history in five sentences or less. The Israelites were slaves for 400 years. God sent Moses to deliver them from slavery. They crossed the the Red Sea and the dramatic parting of the sea, as you may have seen in the Ten Commandments. Waters, walls of water stand up and the people walk through and, and they, God has promised them entry into Canaan, into the promised land. And so they have their 12 tribes and, and Moses sends 12 spies into Canaan, into the promised land to check out this place that, that they're going to go. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back and say, sweet, we've got this. This is amazing. We're going to go there, and it's going to be awesome. But the other ten spies come back and don't want to go. This is terrible. Moses, this is a bad idea. There's giants over there. They are going to annihilate us. This is, we can't do it. They are terrified. They don't like the idea, they don't want to go, and they are angry about it. God gets mad. He's like, fine. You will wander the desert for 40 years. And that's what happens. They don't go to, the, they don't go to Canaan. They don't go in the promised land. This is all, you can catch all this in the first three chapters of Deuteronomy as Moses gives his... Um, summary of the Israelite people. And so they wander the desert for 40 years and develop a relationship with God, learning how to trust God. When God says, I have this good plan for you, this is what we're do, doing, uh, developing relationships so people can learn to trust, him, trust God and, and his plan for their lives. The people do what the people, what, what we sometimes do. And they sow, they start talking, and they sow seeds of, of dissent. And they start talking amongst each other, and they start complaining and, and, and not wanting to pursue this. I don't want to go. I don't want to follow Moses. I don't want to go into the promised land. And they're, they're amongst themselves, and they create division in the community, and there's all this grumbling. And then you have all these 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 rich stories in, in that Israelite that, that many you may have, have studied and thought about with, other, with the, 
the people grumbling against God and God providing, and the people grumbling and God providing, and this is all of that journey of them. Well, now we're at the, we're at the Jordan River, and Moses is dead. Straight up, our scripture says, Moses is dead, and the torch has been passed to Joshua. Most of that generation is, is gone, the, the grumbling generation. And it's time to move into the promised land. It's time to move into Canaan. But the people are scared. They're anxious. They're fearful because it's this unknown future. And there may have had these old rumors in their heads. It may still have been there. They may have lingered. It's hard to say. But God says, I'm doing a new thing in your lives. It's a new chapter. And God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. But that's a tall order. The Israelites are fearful and anxious about their uncertain, unimaginable, unknown future. Well, Creston Church family and friends, I imagine you can relate. Just the title of a Washington Post article last month is telling why this stage of the pandemic makes us so anxious. This summer, our country thought we were returning to normal, but now it seems this pandemic thing in the lurking among us is, is, is the new normal. And as a church, while there's a definite vibe of joy and excitement in our midst, there's also anxiety. Many of you have serious questions about our church's future. Who's coming back is a question I hear some of you asking. There are faces missing in our pews, in our pews, in our chairs. Some of you have questions about me. What will my leadership cost you? A common pastoral care phrase is, people don't fear change, they fear loss. And with a new leader comes change. So what will change equate to? What will we lose? That makes us anxious. It's understandable. We have questions as a community regarding our, this ongoing conversation about sexuality and LGBTQ, both as a denomination and as a church. And for those of us who struggle to keep up with the acronym LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and queer is, um, I don't fit into any of those camps, but I also don't fit into the traditional understanding of sexuality. Don't put me in a box, but I, I'm, I'm not in one, but I, I want to be identified as um, not put in a box, but questioning queer part of the LGBTQ community. 
And as a church, we're asking those questions. And these, this conversation isn't about people out there. Because we have LGBTQ members in our community. This is a conversation about us. This is our family conversation. Well, the Israelites had lots of questions too. In fact, two and a half of the tribes requested that they stay east of the Jordan. Two and a, um, Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh didn't even want to cross the Jordan. They had heard about the promised land. You know, the, you know we, we like what we know better than the promised riches and extravagance of the promised land. Can we just stay here? And they asked to stay on this side of the Jordan, and they get to. They get to stay. They get to not cross into the promised land, and they stay. But God says to Joshua, verse 6, be strong and courageous. And in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. And then in verse 9, be strong and courageous. For God to repeat three times the same message in such a short, just such a, in a few verses is exceptional. God is trying to get a, a message across with certainty and clarity. In other words, don't panic. I've got you. Be strong. Be courageous. You can do this. How? How are we supposed to be strong and courageous under these circumstances, bringing a whole community of people into an unknown territory? How are we supposed to go into... And then... The rest of verse 9. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Israelites, you don't go into your future alone. I go with you. And that's God's word for us today as well. Our future may be unknown to us, but it's not unknown to God. God says to us today, says to you today, you can boldly step into the unknown because I am going with you. You can be brave. You can be courageous and strong because my strength goes with you wherever you go. Whether it's school or work or home or into a scary conversation with someone that you're intimidated by? What is that scary place for you, that unknown, scary, uncertain place for you that you are anxious and afraid to go right now, literally or emotionally? Church doesn't navigate dicey conversations without God. God is with us as a church community. In Christ, all things hold together. We can believe that. We can trust it. We don't need to fear conversation. 
And not only does God, do we have God with us as we go into the future, God gives us each other. The Najoni house, the commissioning we just saw, I mean, the, for those of you who are, are, are guests today, the Najoni, so next door is the ministry center. Wait a minute, where am I? This way. Next door is the, I looked outside, I'm like, that's not, the, next door is the ministry center, that way, and then, and then Caleb's house, and then Corey's house, Corey's house, Corey who I haven't met, Corey's house, and then the Najoni house, where I have been. Um, and so they live in community, as just described for us, and they are a good image of this, intentional community, um, demonst- it's, it's just a beautiful thing. We have each other, but they, they have each other like in the same house, and we have our families, but we have each other in this house as a church family, and this church family travels, like we, big, bigger house. This week, um, I, I popped in to the Najoni house, and on my way out uh, outside, um, there were four kiddos on a porch across the street, Anaya, Manhattan, Michaela, and Roosevelt. And so I walked across the street and introduced myself, and they asked me, what does a pastor do? And so I, I told them what I did that day, you know, some of the things that I did, and they were like, whoa, well, what do you do at church? And I told them some things we did at church, and, and I, do you sing there? And I said, yeah, we sing. And they said, well, what else do you do? And I told them, well, you know, generally we, we seek to understand what God is saying to us, and and understand where God is at work in the world, and we um, comfort each other in hard times, and we celebrate with one another when when things are going well for you know good things, and we help our neighbors, and we um, we try to make the world a better place. And they said, "Sounds fun." And I said, "It is. It is fun." Christian Church family, and friends. We are on an adventure together in God's world. Jesus Christ is the head of our church, and we are committed to listening to Christ and following Jesus into our future. And God says to us, be strong, and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified of that future because the living God is among you. I am with you and I will be with you wherever you go. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you and praise you that some kiddos can say about church, sounds fun. And we can see church with, with fresh eyes and say, yes, being part of your kingdom is fun. Because we are with people that we love, people that you love. And we are with you, doing life together with you, Lord. We thank you and praise you for the joy and the faithfulness. Lord, the joy of you is our strength. May we burst 
and overflow with joy in this community, in this neighborhood. Lord, in those anxious and fearful moments, help us. We are not our best selves when we are acting out of fear. Help us, Lord. Heal us. Calm us. Comfort us. And move us into postures of trust. And ultimately, joy. We thank you that you are at work. We are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.